Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. Oh my goodness, James. So do me a favor, talk to me. Tell me what's going on this week. Give me some good news. Tell me something spectacular that I'm gonna be happy about. So it's been a wild week, uh, a wild, wild week. Um, I've been busy as heck. I've been constructing my top 200 player list. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the last position right now, which is the relievers. Mind numbing to get done. And I would yeah. also like yeah. to mention that today, uh, before we got on, I haven't even told Chris this. Uh, DJ LeMahieu has agreed to sign with the Yankees oh. or something along the lines of six years, 15 million per year, which is about 10 million less per year than what he was demanding initially. Uh, it's a great contract for one of the best players in baseball. So the Yankees are going to be getting him back. But to be fair, that was kind of expected, kind of like the Lindor to the Mets move was kind of expected. You know, Blake Snell was expected to get traded. Uh, a lot of what's happened this mm. offseason has been kind of what was drawn up. Like I know a lot of Mets fans were telling me at the beginning of the offseason, yeah, we're going to get Bauer, we're going to get Springer, we're going to get Lindor, and we're going to get James McCann. Half that's already there. McCann and Lindor are there. Um, but yeah, the Yankees have finally gotten LeMahieu, and I think now that the trade market has developed on the hitting side and the pitching side, and now that the top hitter is off the market uh, in terms of you know free agents, I think that the market is now going to completely develop, unfold. I think this is what everything has been waiting on. This is why every team hasn't made moves. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me why everything has been held up up to this point. I think like we could see JT Real Muto sign in the next couple of weeks. Springer's going to sign sooner than that. Bauer could sign, I think, within the next week. Uh, I think he was you know, waiting to see where like Lindor went, for instance. Um, I think that Bauer was always a great fit for the Mets, and I think that that's probably where he's going to go. But the big news I wanted to leave you guys with today, which is actually podcasting news, Uh, Me and baseball guy, Sean, check out his YouTube channel. Uh, We have been working on uh, position to position breakdowns uh, on a week to week basis. We do the back end and then we do the front end and release, we release two separate videos, the beginning of the week and at the end of the week, typically. But given that the launch of the channel is basically tonight, we're releasing part one of catchers tonight. Part two is coming out tomorrow. This, which uh, I mean, technically it's, yesterday the day before based off of when this is going to be released right or it, it gets complicated but basically on we're giving you the dates friday night we have the first half of me and sean's catchers show saturday we have the second half sunday me and chris we got our show coming out for you so, uh sunday uh i or, or monday no, monday 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 <laughs> getting it all mixed up me and sean have part one of our first baseman video uh, Tuesday, me and Chris, we have our, our video that we record uh, on Sunday night, right? Or no, Monday. We record that Monday one Monday. Night. Yeah, we record Mixing up the recordings. I just record yeah. with Sean Sunday. It's a lot of recordings. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's then, a lot of recording time. And then subsequently, part two of the first baseman's list will be out. So we got a good six days, five, six days of videos being released, and mm-hmm. we will be linking them We'll be putting them up uh, on the channel uh, and, you know, linking them through our videos. So you guys mm-hmm. can check out, you know, in the 
in the down below uh, all these other videos. Um, and yeah, content will be there for you guys to check out. Uh, it's a lot of content. A lot is already recorded or being recorded. So it's got me a little scrambled as you can tell, but it's mm -hmm. literally from tonight all the way Friday, well, Friday, the Friday, the 15th, mm -hmm. all the way until about Wednesday, Thursday of next week, content every single day. So keep an eye out for it from baseball guy, Sean. Keep an eye out, an eye out from, for, for Hot Takes, us, our show. Uh, keep an eye out for, um, yeah, just keep an eye out for all of that content. It's going to be there over the next uh, almost week. So that's the biggest news I got of the week. It's so much. I have uh, never recorded this much in a short amount of time ever in my entire life. And I'm just, I'm kind of in it right now. I'm in the middle of the stream. I'm just... Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> so many different things are going on. I love so. it. I absolutely love it. So uh, before before we uh, scramble my mind further, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's get into the divisional breakdown. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do this. So you told me before this you were going to start start off by talking about nationally about nationally national the fourth place team, the projected mm -hmm. fourth place team in the National League, the Which Miami. Is. Marlins Jeter's uh, franchise. He has done an absolutely fantastic job, you know, dealing, of course, yes, he dealt all the guys that he had at the beginning. He had real Muto at the beginning of all of this. He had uh, Stanton, he had Yelich, he had Ozuna. He, he, had a, he had a team of guys and he could have built around them and figured out how to win with that team, but he wanted to do it his way. He wanted to build from the ground up. He wanted to build pitching from, you know, as young as you can get international market hitting the draft, the international market. And in my opinion, he, you don't see a team build their team from the ground up and take care of things in pitching and in hitting. Usually the team gets, you know, an expertise in one or the other, and then they trade from a strength. This will be a very balanced group of young players i have not seen a team yet do it this way they're going to have at least developed two two of two three starters probably probably more like three to be fair they're probably going to develop about three starters uh they're going to develop the majority of a bullpen at least four or five guys um and at least half their lineup is going to be homegrown meaning all they're going to have to do is get like innings eaters for the back end of the rotation uh, long man, maybe a fireman for their bullpen, depending on how you want to go about things. You can get a guy for an empty inning even. You don't have to get a fireman. Mm -hmm. um, and with the lineup, all you got to do is, is get the bottom half or you know, get guys that will fill out all of the you know, empty spots, but half the lineup is already taken care of. And when you have lit literally like the majority of your roster homegrown, you're paying all these guys 400000 a apiece mm -hmm. when they're on you know, the, the rookie contracts, you know, the when they're, when they're on their first few years, they're not getting paid anything because they haven't reached free agency and they're before, they're before arbitration. So they can't get these massive raises even. So he's giving himself the chance to build a really inexpensive, really elite young team that is well-rounded and will be pretty easy to turn into a yearly contender. Um, I want to specifically mention in their rotation, Sixto Sanchez. He's one of my favorite arms in the sport. Uh, Pablo Lopez has been developing over the last couple of years 
And, you know, he's come along last year. He really impressed. He impressed me. I didn't know he was this good. Uh, he looks like he could be a number two starter. They got Sandy Alcantara, one of the hardest throwing arms in the sport. If he doesn't end up being a top of the rotation guy, he's going to be an elite bullpen arm. They have Edward Cabrera, who's coming up. They have a collection of arms. They have a collection of guys. Um, again, you know, I, I have a couple of friends that are pitching experts. They are a lot bigger on the Marlins arms than me, but they know a lot more about the arms than me. Uh, for the record, and I do want to be very clear about this. While I am absolutely, you know, w- well studied on pitching, never was a pitcher. I was a hitter. Uh, my, my, I'm more of an expert on, on hitting than I am on pitching. Although I would say I do have, a, I have, I have enough knowledge that I, I do have expertise in pitching. My strength is hitting. Yeah, but you're still good at pitching, though. You're still, oh, you're yeah. still really yeah, good yeah, at pitching, yeah. and you understand the science behind it. So of course, you know I understand even development. About. Yeah, yeah I, I even understand how, how pitchers develop. But overall, uh, I definitely have a good deal more knowledge in hitting than I do in pitching. If I'm just being honest with myself, you know, you got to know where where you have any sort of, you know, Strengths where you're where you're at. Yeah, 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 so that you can gain where you need to gain, and. Um, like I understand how pitch tunneling works mm-hmm. and I understand how, you know, spin rate works and I understand how different spin works on different pitches and how that can give advantages at the same time. Uh, I'd like to see the numbers myself. I would like to uh, have track of those numbers myself on an individual player basis. It's one thing to know how the numbers work. It's a whole nother thing to know what are the players that are specifically great at those specific things i know i know a few of them right but it's another mm-hmm. thing to look at the leaderboards um but oh yeah that's another guy that they have in their system max meyer he's you want to talk about pitchers that i like in their system and you want to talk about guys who could be aces Sixto sanchez should be an ace but so should max meyer he was viewed as one of the most athletic arms in the entire draft last year he throws over 100 miles an hour as a starter he may be on the shorter side but typically if you're going to be very athletic and be able to throw that hard the taller you are, the less coordinated you're going to be with that kind of thing. So how can you be one of the most athletic arms and also be like six foot four? Like that, that never happens. That never, never happens. The bigger you get, the harder it is to stay in coordination. Um, and typically speaking with position players, once you get past about six, three, there's something lost in coordination. That's why you very rarely see guys get to the big leagues and stay in the big leagues at like six, five, six, 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 seven. That's why what Stanton does, what Judge does, is absolutely incredible. They're Stanton six six, Judge is six seven. It's incredible. I don't know how they do it. Uh, they're they're incredibly incredibly coordinated. Um, as far as position players go, uh, JJ Bladay was taken in the draft very recently. Very natural swing, good bat. Uh, I, I got the chance to watch Jazz Chisholm, another one of their top prospects in the Arizona fall league. When he comes up to the big leagues, you're looking at one of the best defenders at the position at shortstop, which is a very important defensive position. He loves to just go get the ball. He's not a guy who just, you know, has good actions or good hands, good arm, good skills. He loves to go get it. And he's one of those guys out there. And when you're like that, you, you always end up getting that little extra range that ends up giving you the advantage. And he has the tools to be a plus shortstop as is, Great base runner, uh, and he also has a lot of power as a very aggressive hitter. 
Not sure he's big league ready yet, though. If he was, and if he was able to do that at the big leagues, just like J.J. Blade. I, I want to be clear. J.J. Blade won't be ready, likely, until the second half. Max Meyer won't be ready next year. Jazz Chisholm likely won't be ready until the second half as well, if that. Uh, they got Jesus Sanchez. He'll be ready next year, but it might take a year for him to adapt to the big leagues. He's a right fielder, big-time hitter. Uh, they have a few guys like that. Lou and Diaz should be up at some point next year. Uh, should, you know, Jesus Aguilar, their first baseman, underperform. They have a lot of depth. That's really the name of the game for the Marlins. Depth in talent. If one guy doesn't perform at a position, they'll have someone else. And if they don't have a lot of depth, it's always because they have a guy who, with tool, with, because of their tools and because they've performed up to a certain level, with years at the big leagues, you give them three years in the show, they'll be one of the best at their position. Uh, Jazz Chisholm is one of those guys. After you give him a bit of time at the big leagues, he'll really be one of the five, 10 best shortstops in the game. Uh, Monte Harrison, give him a few years at the big leagues. His peak is going to be as good as any, any, any center fielder in the game, but he may not be big league ready yet. That's kind of the, the whole thing though. Like at some point next year, the majority of these guys will be. And if any of their regulars underperform, they'll be fine. Quality depth. That's the name of the, the game for them. Uh, again, that's just mainly dealing with their prospects. Uh, getting back to their, their main you know, roster, not just talking about the depth pieces. Uh, they have Sandy Alcantara, who I mentioned. He's a two-pitch pitcher, really. But his fastball, he basically throws 100 miles an hour, and he's six foot five. You also throw strikes. So if you're 6'5 and you throw that fast and you have a good breaking ball, you can sometimes make it as a starter. If not, he will be one of the more dominant relievers in the game. But it does make a difference that he can throw strikes. Because um, a lot of when you're that big and you throw that hard, a lot of time that's not the case. Um, they got, uh, they got, I'm blanking here. Here we go. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. So they got Jorge Guzman. Uh, he's a guy who I've been following him since he was really young, throws well over 100. I mean, it's funny. A lot of the guys that they have, that's also kind of the name of the Marlins, that they're absolutely tooled up, whether it's position players or whether they're talking about pitchers. These guys all throw over 100 miles an hour, close to 100 miles an hour. Uh, they all have these electric skill sets that if you have the right kind of coaching – you can turn into well above average production. Uh, it's part of the reason why, like, I definitely have them over the Phillies who are going fire sale, but not over any of the other teams. They, they're loaded in talent. It's all about sorting, figuring out who everybody is. Um, and then, you know, once they have, like, it's going to be quality in the rotation, quality in the bullpen, quality and depth in the lineup, and easy to build around because they don't have, they won't have any payroll. Uh, Jorge Alfaro, that's another guy. Oh, man. You want to talk about tooled up guys up the middle. I talked about Monte Harrison in center. I talked about Jazz Chisholm at, at shortstop. Alfaro's that catcher. He may strike out a lot, but he's one of the fastest catchers. He's one of the catchers that has one of the best defensive skills in the sport all around. Cannon of a throwing arm. Nobody runs on Alfaro. And he has natural power. All he's got to do is learn the strike zone a little bit. And a guy like him, he moved up through the minors very quickly. Give him a few years at the big leagues. He'll start to hit. And then he got all around one of the best catchers in the entire sport. Like top five, defensively elite, offensively elite. Um, I named Jesus Aguilar at first base. 
Luan Diaz does replace him. Uh, that would make sense. But they could also pull in Garrett Cooper from right field, another guy who performed at the highest levels of the minors, uh, but no one really gave him a chance until the Marlins. Last year, they gave him a chance. He was like 30% above league average, nearly batted 300. Um, he could be the first baseman of the future. But like I said, it's all about depth with the Marlins. They have three options there. Uh, they got John Birdie, who had an incredible on-base percentage last year and is one of the faster players in the sport at, at, uh, at second base. Um, they have Jose Devers, who's another one of their third base options. He won't be ready next year, but he's the younger brother of Rafael Devers, and he's got an outstanding hit tool as well as really good legs on the bases. They have Isan Diaz, who can play short or second. He's going to give Birdie some competition and at least – hold down shortstop until Chisholm is ready. Um, and then they also have Rojas, who I think is going to be able to play shortstop. I don't think his bat will hold back Isan Diaz. But if Birdie, for whatever reason, underperforms and Isan has to stick at second, Rojas has proved to be one of the better defensive shortstops in the game. And he does make a lot of contact. Uh, they could move him over to third. I think they should move him over to third. It would allow him to focus on turning the contact into power, which is the next development for him. And they should take, in my opinion, their third baseman, Brian Anderson, and move him from third to a corner outfield spot. He's got one of the best throwing arms in the outfield that anyone would have in the game. Like he's been put out there a few times and it's beautiful. It's incredible seeing how he can throw people out. Uh, from third to, to the outfield actually kind of makes sense why you'd have that kind of arm because third to first is the long throw. You have to have carry on it. So like you have to be accurate as well. So like you're not throwing over them. So going from third to the outfield, it makes sense why he was that good. But you add on the offense, that plays as an elite outfielder. It doesn't play as an elite third baseman. There are too many other guys who can hit at the position. Um, so say you put Anderson in the outfield, you put Cooper at first base, because uh, I think Cooper absolutely can out-hit Aguilar. Uh, you put Rojas at third, you let him concentrate on the glove. All of a sudden, Cooper becomes a trade chip. Rojas, because he's concentrating, you know, or rather he's concentrating on the bat at third because he has the contact skill, he just doesn't have the power. All of a sudden, those are trade chips. All of a sudden, Anderson becomes a top-notch trade chip. Or, you know, I sure, I'm sure you could bring guys up and build around them. But where the Marlins are at, it's about depth. It's about quality depth. And I'm not sure Rojas or Anderson or Cooper are on their timetable. Same thing with uh, Aguilar. You could trade Aguilar as well. they got a bunch of guys that they can deal once the kids are ready. Quality depth. And then, of course, they'll get guys for those trades. I mean, it's just... It's a brilliant way Jeter put together his roster. When the kids are ready, all the guys that are at the big leagues will become trade chips and get you more kids to be ready if none of these kids are good or a few of these kids don't, don't pan out. Uh, in the outfield, he brought in Lewis Brinson, another tooled-up guy who has not figured it out. I honestly don't know if he ever will, but if you're looking at sheer tools, like standing in the box, he looks good. Swinging the bat, he looks good. Running the bases, he looks good. In the outfield, he looks good. But then you look at the results, and he's terrible. So, you know, maybe he needs to go back down to the minors or something. But he's quality talent. But if you want to talk about the guys that I like the best on this team, because I wanted to get around to that point. Starling Marte is one of their biggest trade chips and one of the best center fielders in the entire sport. He is a win-now player. 
And I'm willing to bet that he could be had for the right price. So say you're a fan of another team. I look, not very many people are Marlins fans. Sorry. You know, you know it. I know it, you know, no, that's Part definitely of the reason, true. That's yeah. Definitely so if true. you're watching this, you're probably just, I can't wait till they're done with the Marlins. Well, Trade for Starling Marte if you don't have a center fielder or a left fielder on your team. He actually initially came up as one of the best defensive left fielders in the sport. He was a center fielder in the minors. He got moved to left field. Mm. Spent the first few years, like four years, five years in his career in left field, just dominating, catching everything. So even if you need a left fielder, if you already have a center fielder, go get Starling Marte. I'm sure the Marlins would love prospects. If you're a Marlins fan, imagine who you could trade him for. He's one of the best players at his position in the sport and a center fielder. And, you know, if we're done, again, talking about the second, my second favorite player on, on the Marlins. We're talking about my favorites at this uh, point. Corey Dickerson is my second favorite big leaguer on the Marlins, but he may be in a power decline that he cannot reverse, which is sad. Harar Encarnacion. No one talks about him. He's not at the big leagues quite yet. He will be by the end of next year. I saw him play in the Arizona Fall League. I never heard of this guy in my life. I did a little bit of research. They say that they basically found him playing ball on the streets of, uh, I forget what country, but literally they found him on the streets playing ball. Just some grown man, 20-something years old, 23, I think he was, 22 maybe at the time. They found him playing ball on the streets. Actually, he might have been a bit younger than that because he's played a few years in the minors. So he might have been like 19. But like, yeah, some, some teenager then playing balls on, on the streets. I'd never heard of him. I'd never seen him before. He blew me away. And the people that blow, blow my mind in the Arizona Fall League, who I've never heard of, usually within, I won't even say usually, every time, <laughs> within the next year, because the Arizona Fall League is such high-level talent, they'll come up to the big leagues and they'll be one of the better big leaguers out there. Whether it's Aaron Judge, it happened with him. Whether it's Glaber Torres, it happened with him. It just—it's it, it, every time somebody I go and I'm like, "Oh, who is this guy?" You know, um, they blow my mind when they come up. Now, does it always stick? No. Sometimes you have a polished guy who came out of a, a college program and they just really know how to identify pitches. But once the pitchers learn their in and outs, it's it's over. Harar Encarnacion's tooled up. He looks like like a pure DH. He looks like a guy who could be a middle-of-the-order hitter. Watch out for him. Like, literally keep his name in your back pocket. Uh, if, if, you, if your team, your favorite team, dealt with the Marlins uh, and, they, and, and his name's in the deal, do, do a backflip. He's, <laughs> he's really, really, really good. And also, uh, he does throw out runners pretty good from corner outfield. It's just like as good as he was at that, the bat was so incredible that like, okay, cool. That's good that he's that extra. That's icing on the cake. Um, phenomenal pull hitter. Phenomenal, phenomenal pull hitter. Um, all I got to say about this team is that they just need to have things develop. And once all these guys start developing, make the right trades with your veteran pieces your window for contention should likely start in about 2023 or 2024. That's a long time. It is, but in baseball, that's what it takes to develop these guys. I, I Some understand. of these guys, no, I... unless it's like elite level talents, it takes a couple of years. Um, but the cool thing is, is unlike basically every single other development path, 
that every team has taken, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Like the guys at the big leagues are either going to be performing or they're going to be dealt for guys that are coming up to perform. So you're always either going to be seeing guys that have to perform and can perform and are growing themselves at the big league level daily, learning new things, or they're going to be traded for talented guys and replaced by talented guys. And it goes for, you know, the same case on pitching in the bullpen, in the lineup. I mean, it's just going to be, I honestly, I would, if I was a Marlins fan, I'd love to watch this happen because it's not going to be one of those things where it's just like, Oh man, you know, all day bad pitching or, Oh man, all day bad hitting. It's going to be tolerable in all forms. It's just, you're going to see things get slowly better and slowly better and slowly better. And then you're in contention all of a sudden and your team has tons of money to spend all of a sudden. So it's going to be literally day to day. Your team is getting better and you can watch it. You don't have to wait year to year for your team to make moves. I honestly, I think that's exciting. If I was a fan, uh, knowing that the next ball game, you know, any of the ball players could have learned something new and just being able to turn on the game and just keep track of their improvements. You don't see that happen across a team. Usually it gets too ugly. Either the pitching getting beat up, the defense getting beat up, or the offense getting beat up because they can't hit. In this case, it's going to be tolerable on all sides and constant improvement instead of you know waiting for your top prospects to come up and bump some guy. You know, it's not it's not going to be a team that's leaning on the top half of the lineup, even. It's going to be a total group of guys that are all learning. And if they can't do it, they'll be bumped for a kid who's ready to go. And I'm sorry, like even just any team, if you're a fan of any team and you have a prospect come up, that's exciting. If you're any team and you have a player on your team and that guy can take that next step and become like a stud, or if there's a guy that is a really good player on your team and you know that like, you know, that's a guy I can trade for a lot, like Starling Marte. Then it's like, okay, hmm, what out there do I want that's like a minor leaguer? Not, a, not, not, not someone in the show. Let's look at the top 100 prospect lists and look, let's look at teams that need a center fielder. And if you're a Marlins fan, that gets exciting. So you can start being like, hmm, well, you know, New York Mets. You know, do you want to go Starling Marte? Or, or do you want to go George Springer? Your choice. But if you go George Springer, you're not necessarily getting good defense. You know, so you, you can start thinking about things that way. Again, I wouldn't deal him to the Mets. The Mets don't really have much of a farm system. But, I mean, there's three outfield spots per team. And in the American League, there's also the DH. So they could always slide someone over there. Starling Marte, you can have a huge market for it. Uh, unfortunately, you'll be the fourth best team in your division, but at least you get to make fun of Phillies fans. They always like to claim that they're, you know, we're in contention, we're in contention. Like literally the last few free agencies, they're like, just watch, we'll go sign everybody and then we'll put ourselves in contention. That's why it was kind of heartbreaking to see it go this way because they did buy a lot of players and it went nowhere. So you can rip on, you can rip on your Philly fan friends, Philly fan friends. yes yeah but this is like exciting even as someone like so like obviously like i I know things about baseball i'm not as knowledgeable as you and i'm trying to get there 
and I'm trying to catch up to, to where you are. I don't think I'll ever catch up to where you are. Uh, it you're takes just like, it takes a years. lot of work. It takes a lot of work. It takes <laughs> years. But the thing is, is as someone who grew up around a lot of baseball fans, um, especially like, so like, for instance, one half of my family loved the Mets, the other half loved the Yankees, then just growing up around in my neighborhood of people who were split also between Mets and Yankees, everyone always talking about baseball and stuff like that, everything in school. It's like, no one ever talks about the Marlins. I, I, I'm telling you, it's like, I've heard every single team. I've, I've had conversations about almost every single team. No one has ever brought up the Marlins. So for you to talk about, hey, like this year is going to be decent, but like after that, they're going to kind yeah. of like yes. start getting better and better and better. It's actually exciting to not even be a Marlins fan and just hear like, oh, like, so in a couple of years, like people are going to be talking about this team and people are going to yeah. be taking them seriously. And stuff I mean, like people that. never talked about them because the, yes, the fan base was so small. Sure. But like, it was also that they never were a consistent winner and whenever they would win 97 and um, 2003, ouch. Um, whenever they would win against my Yanks, you know, uh, they would immediately after they won trade away the whole team, mm. which like, so now the Marlins are exciting and now they're not, you know, so mm. no one really wanted to talk about them. But now that Jeter's in charge, you can see he's building a long-term affordable winner that can win for years on end and make the Marlins a team that people do talk about. And like, like you mentioned, like, Yes, this year they're going to be in fourth place and it's going to be a little slow, but like really like you started to see it the, you know, in the shortened season last year, this team has, you know, something going for it. It's starting to come together, you know, something's starting to gel here. Uh, I think next year you're going to see a lot more of the filtration, you know, players coming in, players coming out. And then I think they're going to have a lineup that they stick to probably halfway through the year after. But a lot of guys that are going to be part of that lineup are going to be decided on this season. Mm. And they're going to be sorted through between guys like Chisholm, uh, Encarnacion, Monte Harrison, Lewis Brinson, Jesus Sanchez, um, Rojas, if he can start hitting for power, Lewin Diaz, Isan Diaz, the second baseman, um, Anderson, you know, if he really takes off, him too. Aguilar, if he starts hitting. And, of course, the catcher, Alfaro. All of these guys, they could take off next year and they could prove that they are part of that next Marlins winning team, but it's not that next great Marlins winning team. It's this new Marlins, I won't say era, because I don't know if they're going to be better than all the other teams in baseball. It's way too early to tell. They, we don't even know what moves they're going to make to create their team, but they will be able to put themselves in a position to do that. To, to make those moves. So uh, it's really exciting to see that like this team that is only occasionally a winner is actually building for the long term. It, 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 you, you don't, and of course, not just that, you don't see them do it. You don't see a team like this do it with like a competent defensive squad, a competent base running squad, a competent offense, a competent pitching, you know, group, starting pitching group, and a competent bullpen. That's getting better in all facets. You don't see that. It just, you know, you don't see it. It doesn't happen. It could be one, it could be the other, but it never happens all at once. Jeter mm -hmm. has just, Jeter's done a great job. 
He's built a balanced, growing team. It's very hard to do. It's exciting. That's, yeah. That's pretty dope. Now, let's, let's actually move forward. Yeah. And uh, let's move on to uh, our next team. Yes. Which is your arch nemesis. Well, our, like our, the whole state's arch nemesis. Yes. And- <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, you know, I grew up not liking the Red Sox and like kind of making fun of them, you know, and then it got turned on me, uh, it, you know, 2004, 2007. What's well, funny. Oh. You grew up in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. You grew up in New York. And I feel like when you grow up in, especially in New York city, cause you grew up in New York city, yes. which is different from growing up in like New York, New York, cause upstate New York and stuff like that and everything. Um, and like when you grow up in New York city, it's almost like the first thing you're told is like, yo, we hate the Red Sox. Just yeah, after and, it and you have to hate them. Yeah, and then like I moved to New England um, mm. in like the that. early in the mm. early two thousands. Well, I didn't really move there. It was boarding school, you know. Mm. Um, and then the Red Sox beat us and they won the World Series. And then they did it again. And meanwhile, my team is putting up the worst defensive team in Major League history. Mm. Like actually, the worst defensive team in Major League history. Uh, like statistically speaking. Um, and then the Yankees win then in 2009. I'm there. Beautiful. It was amazing. Um, and then the Red Sox go on and they win in 2018 and they win 2013. So now it's kind of like, all right, well, I wasn't, I didn't know that that was what I was signing up for when I became a Yankee fan that like I'd become a Yankee fan. And then basically immediately after the Red Sox would win four World Series to R1. And that we'd get cheated out of a World Series from the Astros at least twice. Yeah. Like, I didn't sign up for that, okay? Like, in any way whatsoever. I didn't sign up for it. Um, so it's just, I, look, I'm happy to see that the Red Sox are not doing good. I'm happy to see that they're a fourth-place team, okay? <laughs> that being said, okay, the Red Sox have a lot going for them i think a lot more than their fans even want to acknowledge um look they got christian vasquez who's one of the best defensive catchers in the sport and he can hit maybe a little bit hot and cold you keep him in fenway he's going to be able to hit so he's one of the best catchers in the sport then they got devers at third he is one of the best third basemen in baseball they got xander bogarts at short he's one of the best shortstops in baseball they still have J.D. Martinez. He's one of the best D.H., if not, you know, the best, depending on what year, you know. The D.H. is in baseball. They have Ben Intendi, although they're thinking about trading him, which kind of makes sense, given things. Um, they have Verdugo, who's, you know, a very, very talented, young, affordable right fielder. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. has left. Yes, you don't have a center fielder. But if Ben Intendi's in left, or say you want to go get a left fielder, you know, it's fairly easy to go get a corner outfielder, just like it's fairly easy to go get a first baseman, another position that they're kind of lacking in. And in, in an era with a shift, it's more, it's easier than it ever has been to get a second baseman. So those are positions that it's very easy to fill. And then outside of left field, which it looks like they're going to be dealing Ben Intendi, second base and first base, like I said, which are easy positions for a team that has as much money as the Red Sox to fill. Then it's just about figuring out what you're going to do with center field. Um, If they do that, if the Red Sox figure out those four positions and the Red Sox address their starting rotation 
in a very serious way. You know, some Red Sox fans will be like, oh, Evaldi's good. Or they'll say, Chris Sale's coming back. Or they'll say, Eduardo Rodriguez is really good. And I don't deny all three of those players are very good. But Chris Sale throws sidearm, and he just got Tommy John surgery, which is your elbow. Okay? I doubt that he's going to be able to hold up as a starter without getting Tommy John again. Okay? His throwing motion makes that near impossible. So make him a reliever. He becomes one, one of the best relievers in the sport. Eduardo Rodriguez was very talented up-and-coming starter, lefty starter. Um, then he got the virus, coronavirus, and uh, now he has heart problems, and he was having trouble walking for a large portion of last season. At the end of the year, he was able to pitch, but that's not somebody I, I want to count on. You know, you want to put him in the back of the rotation or you want to use him in the bullpen for a year. I'm fine with it. And he'd be an elite reliever. Nathan Avaldi. He was put in the bullpen in the playoffs when the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018, and he was as good a reliever as there is in the sport. All of those guys could go two innings at a time if they needed to. You already have a bunch of good relievers in Boston. Very simply, if you just go out and you build a starting rotation, a quality starting rotation, and you go get the easy bats, which is, you know, it's easy to find first baseman, second baseman, and corner outfielders. If you were to go find a way to fill center field, which is the harder of those positions to figure out, even if you just went defense first there, this is a team that could contend. That being said, with what we've seen from Boston, with the moves that they've made, uh, getting guys like you know Nick Pavetta and uh, just kind of meddling players, it seems like they want to wait till some of their prospects are developed. It seems like they want to add more to their system. Hence the rumors of the Benintendi trade. Hence the rumors of them possibly wanting to trade their catcher, Christian Vasquez. Uh, given those rumors, I am inclined to think that Boston's fairly new GM, Chaim Bloom, you know, who took over from, from Dombrowski, I'm thinking he wants to refresh the system with his guys and in about a year or so year and a half go back at it again with a couple of guys from this group and some of his own guys that makes a lot more sense to me at least if we're talking about the soonest time for boston to really be back in it in that kind of way but i could be reading the terrain wrong and based off of the players on this team if you add rather than subtract you could put yourself in a position to completely get this prediction wrong and be in third place even, or possibly even second if you made the right moves in the division. Um, I just don't see it with the indications from the front office, with who's being shopped around. I just don't see how they could be putting themselves in a position to contend and be really putting that effort in full-fledged if you're trying to deal your left fielder and your catcher at the same time as you have needs at first, second, center, and either your starting rotation or if you're going to chance it with the rotation, then the entire bullpen. So that's the reason why right now I have them as the clear fourth place team. Uh, the teams ahead of them are either showing a lot of interest in top-notch free agents or they've succeeded a ton in the last couple of years. And I either 
shouldn't count them out out of, you know, just being smart or I shouldn't count them out out of just not being dumb. <laughs> it's funny. I'll explain what I mean by that. Like write that down. Cause I'll explain what I, what I mean about that in a couple of episodes. Cause those, that is actually referring to two different teams for completely separate reasons. Um, yeah. The, the Red Sox just can't, can't, they can't, in my opinion, they can't keep pace with, with those above three teams, at least with what we know about the Red Sox intentions. But this is a team and, you know, they're the Red Sox uh, and the Red Sox have look, we last 10 years, they've done the whole worst to first thing before. Okay. So who's to say that they don't try to do it this time. Who's to say that they don't take a really bad year this year just to get a top prospect. I don't like who they got in the draft this year. I felt like they kind of wasted their first round pick. Um, they may have wasted later round picks, depending on how you feel about a couple of their other guys, but um, they can't afford to waste another draft. So if they feel like they wasted this draft, maybe they feel like they have to lose a bunch next year, get a higher pick in the draft, uh, have you know money come off the books, retool their farm system, get pieces for Vasquez and Benintendi, and then with their grouping of guys, go back at it in a year or so. That seems kind of like the track that Haim Bloom is guiding Boston right now. It makes a lot of sense, um, at least from his perspective. But uh, if that's the case, why aren't we hearing rumors for like Bogarts getting traded? Why aren't we hearing rumors for like Sale or some of these other guys? Um, and that, that's what gives me a little bit of apprehension here because they do have a group of guys who, if they want to go at it this year, they can make a push. It's just, do they want to? And that's completely up in the air. Uh, and in fact, leaning towards that they don't want to with who's on the market reportedly uh, trade on the trade side, Vasquez and Benintendi. They can't, they, if they deal those guys, they're not going to be able to, no matter what they do, contend next year. Not going to happen. They will finish fourth. That's Boston. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about that. I mean, look, we could talk about the fact that uh, they have a whole bunch of overrated prospects. You know, Nick York is an overrated second base prospect. Bobby Dahlbeck's an overrated third base prospect. Uh, Jeter Downs is an overrated second base prospect. Like, but you know, that's just my opinion. You know, you have a guy like Dahlbeck who strikes out too much. You have a guy like Jeter Downs. He's very average at basically all of his skills. And he'll be an everyday player. I just don't think he'll be a good one. It's kind of like um, last few years that Asdrubal Cabrera has put up. That's kind of what I'm expecting from him. Um, I'm just not really that big of a fan of Boston's system. I think it's just a bunch of guys that are on Michael Chavis's level. Chavis is a good swing, but he's not that great of a player. I hope he turns into something one day. Cross your fingers. But that's Boston. And... Um, but yeah, that you know, if you're a Boston fan and you, you're trying to look forward to something, dude, you guys are this close to contention. You know, you're you're high and bloom, your GM, he was in the Rays front office. You know, if you're gonna trust anyone, trust someone from the Rays. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Boston has all the pieces to in as little as a year, if they want to jump right back into things especially in an era where you have all these extended playoffs where it's like, 
you know, you have 10 teams making it now and two wildcard teams and all this. All you really need is to get into the playoffs with a team that can dominate versus elite pitching and you are good to go. And that's Boston. Fourth place next year. This was definitely um, a, uh, I don't want to say better because it implies that this was a better episode than the last More tame. One. It was more tame. Yes, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was searching for. I'm like, it's way more tame because I feel like I, I walked away from the other one and I was like, yo, the shade, I, I, God, I, I went to, I, I was like, yo, should I pray for them? I'm like, right? I don't know. <laughs> like with, with, I'll tell you, like with the, with the Orioles, I don't have to say anything there, you know? <laughs> But like with with the Phillies, it's more of a tragedy. With the Orioles, it's a horror story. But with the Phillies, it's a tragedy, you know, because they, they, they had it all there and they couldn't do it. With at least these teams, you have the Marlins on the up and up. It's like the, literally, if, if you're a young ba- fan base and, and you're trying to, you know, it's one of the most exciting developments. Like if you're a, a team developing that I've seen, because you have... You, the pitching, the, the bullpen, everything. Um, and that's exciting. You know, if you're a fan base, you can't not be excited by that. And if you're on the Red Sox side, you just won a World Series in 2018. You didn't do too well, 2020, you know, but knowing that you're that close, you know, this soon removed from one of the best Red Sox teams in history, which was the 2018 team, no doubt was one of the best teams, period, in Major League history. Like I'm, I'm a Yankee fan and even I'll admit to that super team. One of the better than most of the Yankees nineties championships. Like, and I don't say that lightly because those teams are like in my heart, but like being this closely removed and still being right there. That's, you know, that's gotta be exciting from a Red Sox standpoint, you know, like go, go onto the market next year. Who can you sign? You know, like, because you're right there. You could compete next year if you want. You might compete this year. Cross your fingers. Could retool. Sure. That's big. That's big. That's, I mean, especially big words coming from, uh, from a Yankee fan. That's... Yeah. I mean, right now, the American League is the – it's like three teams, okay? Uh, if the Red Sox made the right – I'm not going to tell you the three teams. You know, I'd give away a few things. But there are like three teams in the American League. If the Red Sox made all the right moves, it, like before this season starts – they could be one of the three teams and bump the third. So yeah, they're that close. It's hard to find third baseman. It's hard to find shortstops. It's hard to find catchers. It's hard to find, you know, multiple middle of the order bats like they have in left field, right field, and DH in healthy years at least. The fact that all they need to do is get a defense first center fielder and a bat for first and second in an era with the shift where you can hide you know, like bad defenders at second base just by using the shift, just get a, two, a couple bats. A couple bats and a glove, you know? If you do that, you get a bunch of innings eaters for the rotation, you're good to go. Um, I just don't think that they're going to do that yet. I think that they're trying to build up the farm system first so that when they do contend, it'll last a little bit longer. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe they deal Benintendi this offseason if you're a Red Sox fan. Maybe go see what teams could want him. Maybe, maybe a few teams would be interested in him as a center fielder. He came up as a center fielder. He doesn't have typical center field speed, but if he has the roots and he has the, you know, the offense that is uncommon at the position, maybe a team will take a chance on him. You know, like the, the Padres put uh, 
Trent Grisham out there. I never thought of Trent Grisham as a center fielder, but I guess he has the speed. You know, he doesn't really have the roots or anything like that, but Benintendi would have the roots without the speed. So it's the other way around. And we've seen Jock Peterson in center field. He can handle it. I think it would be very similar defense if you traded Benintendi. And heck, if you want to do it this way, Red Sox could move Benintendi to center field and then just focus on getting a bat to hide in left field with the monster right there, a bat for second, and a bat for first. If they got three middle-of-the-order bats, you don't think the Red Sox would be right back in it next year with J.D. in the fold, with Bogarts in the fold, with Devers in the fold, Verdugo, Benintendi? They'd be right there. So they're not far off. And as far as I know, you know, I don't think they're getting rid of Xander Bogarts or Devers. So as long as they're able to, you know, fill catcher after they deal Vasquez, you know, maybe Plowacki is for real. He had a big year last year in a very limited amount of time. He was a top prospect. You do that, you got your catcher. Then you just have to fill a couple outfield spots, second base first. There you go. So, yeah, Boston is two seconds away from competing with the best of the best if they want to. So if you're a Red Sox fan, that's very encouraging. Very, very encouraging. I like this. Yeah. Very, very lighthearted. Not, no not, uh, nuking teams no, this no, week. No nuking teams. No no destroying <laughs> their livelihood. No uh, no upsetting their fan base. No. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a little bit of knowledge. A little bit of knowledge. Yeah, but hey, you know, like technically, you know, last week was hot takes. Mm-hmm. So, it was. It was a hot. It, it was a hot. The cooler takes. Trust me. This. This was cooler the, takes uh, from hot takes. It was a hot <laughs> take. Uh, that was a nuclear take. That wasn't just a hot take. It was nuclear. All right, Chris. So, you got any songs for everybody uh, while you know we're we're wrapping up right here because we are in the portion. Do. We're in the awesome because we're in the portion of the show. Two songs in a show. So, what do you got for us? So my first one, I had to open up my Spotify. So my first one is I Love Galantis. Yes. One of my all-time favorite, like, just like, kind of like, well, what would you label them as? Like, kind of like house music, like. Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like Happy House. Yeah, it's like, like Happy House. But I also know that, like, that also might have a different distinction, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it's like, it's not for people to like listen to with substances. You yeah, know no, what I mean? It's, it's definitely something like you're vibing <laughs> out at work or you're, yeah. you're vibing out at home or something. It's dope. So he has this song Dandelion that I just discovered and that's been on repeat. And then also I just got to throw some like credit towards you. I've had Flames, the Azar remix by David Guetta on repeat as well. Yeah, no, David Guetta is great. Um, I, I, it's funny, you know, you, you named Dandelion. I was like, I think I sent that one to you too. I think you did. <laughs> I think you did too. That's the funny part is like, it's like, I didn't even know Galantis had a new song out. And it's like, I think, I think, I believe that you actually sent that to me. I think I, I saw, did. I think I did. Yeah. And I've just had, I've had it on repeat for the past week. It's just, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, right, right, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you know those are those are great, great tracks. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, a track that my significant other showed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's by AWOL Nation. Mm-hmm. I love it's AWOL called Nation. Half Italian. It's absolute madness, mm. and you're gonna love it. And the other track I'm gonna use is an Anderson Pack song uh, called "Off the Ground." Came out recently, and it's a little bit different than what you're used to coming from Anderson Pack, but man it, it hits it hits that mm. that slaps as they mm. say <laughs> i definitely check out both of those tracks half italian by a wall nation and uh off the ground by anderson pack and uh chris you got a, you got a show to to uh to prescribe because i got one myself but so uh you got anything this week so i'm a sick nerd and james james finds this out slowly he finds this out very, very slowly. Well, both of I, us are Star Wars nerds for sure. We could talk a little sure, Star for Wars. For sure, we could have a whole, <laughs> a whole, po- a whole other podcast on Star Wars and everything. But like, I'm a sick nerd, so we should do a podcast about Star Wars. I mean, I would, I'd totally be down. It's, it's, it's just, it's so much we can talk about, and there's so much news, and there's so many that we, we could talk about this later. We could talk about this oh, later. Yeah. Let's not yeah, deviate yeah. off the. Of course, I got uh, you. No, go ahead. Not right now because is, <laughs> we could we could plan so much. Yeah. Um, but so again, I'm super nerdy. So my fiance wanted to watch Attack on Titan a long time ago, and I was like, first two seasons were super boring to me, and I was like, oh, like I really don't like it. Like we could try watching it, but like the latest season came out, and so like which is the final season. And I started watching it and I'm like, yo, this is insane. All the things are happening. There's so much fighting. It's chaotic. And so we started watching the whole thing over to try and just catch her up on everything that's actually happening and like what the lore is and stuff yeah. like that and everything. Yeah. So I think since you did an anime, I'm going to do an anime too. Oh, um, do it. Live it up. Let's go. <laughs> so my girl showed me this one uh, a long time ago. And I'm like now all about it. It's called My Hero Academia. Oh my God, stop. Favorite and one. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, and like, like, here's the deal. Like I grew up, like I was a big Gundam Wing fan. I was a big oh Dragon my God, Ball stop. Z. stop, yes. You know, like th- both of those shows, Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing, fantastic, right? If you liked either of those shows, like, specifically if you like dragon ball z specifically Mm -hmm. if you like dragon ball z check out my hero academia it is fantastic Mm -hmm. um it takes a little bit to get into like um like the the main character because he's kind of whiny and you know a little bit of a wuss but then he starts to come into his own and it is so beautiful. It takes a while, but it's worth it. Yeah, and then all the other supporting characters are fantastic mm-hmm. and, and very unique. And, like, I mean, it's, it's also not that far off from, like, X-Men. Yes. At all. Yes. Yes. In that any is way. the perfect way to explain it. That is the exact perfect way to explain it. It just, just minus the whole, like, like, non-mutants trying to kill them and everything. Yep. It's, 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 just, it's just like X-Men. That, that's just, it's like X-Men, point. but, like, all about the powers. Yeah. And not about the politics. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. My Hero Academia. Check that out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's our two 
two songs in a, a show. <laughs> all right. All we right. will see you on the next podcast where we will be discussing the third best team, the American League East and the National League East. Let's I'll see you there. It. Later.